everybody. You got that on? Good. I want to talk to you tonight about lessons from the desert. And it's about grumbling and complaining, but I don't want you to think that I'm getting on to you because we heard something or somebody was grumbling in the church or anything. wasn't not like that at all. Um, God gave me this as I was reading through the Bible. And I just get fascinated every time I read the first five books of the Bible. Sometimes it takes me so long just to get out of them and then I start reading others. But um, I'm always fascinated by the journey that the Israelites took out of Egypt. And it, you learn so much when you start reading it. And God, I picked up some good things this time around through there. And um, you know, I was reading somebody some on somebody's um, Facebook feed. They have a baby, about a year old now. And um, what they want to do with their baby is they're going to unschool this baby. I guess that's a term now. You know, unschool, which means that we're just going to let the child do whatever they want to do. If they want to stay up till midnight, they can stay up till midnight. If they want to eat breakfast at four in the morning, that's what they can do. And um, that baby's going to have a lot of problems later on in life. Amen. And I thought about how us as Christians, God doesn't unschool us. God disciplines us. God makes sure that we get all the nutrients that we need and all the food we need so that we can grow. Amen. So Israel's journey from slavery in Egypt to freedom, it was wrought with complaining, murmuring, ungratefulness, in spite of the fact that God provided everything all of the way. I know I look, I, I do a lot of shopping right now. And, you know, part of it, I don't want to say it's a hobby, but it's getting to be a hobby, I think. It's just like I'll go in the shoe boxes. Yesterday I got like such a deal at Walmart. It was incredible. Pants for boys was a dollar a piece. I mean, I was like, wow, look at that. So I look around at everybody else when I'm shopping or when I'm out in the public, and they don't look happy. You notice how people, first of all, you're in Texas. So why could you not be happy because you're in Texas? Secondly... This is like, this is the best place on earth to be. And I'm amazed when I go out at the faces of the people. They don't look happy. They look stressed. They look mad. Now, why is that? When we're in the land of milk and honey, it's because we're, we're complaining, we're grumbling, and we're looking at what we don't have rather than appreciating what we do have. And sometimes we forget what we have and we forget to be thankful for what we have. But the children of Israel had a good talent. They um, turned a relatively short trip into a 40-year adventure, <laughs> all because they griped and complained. They refused to see what God, God told them when they were in Egypt and they were crying to get free God said, with a strong hand, I'm going to take you out. But first, Pharaoh's heart is going to be hardened. Have you ever stopped to think that what you're going through isn't really for you sometimes? It's for somebody else who's on the observation deck. So I don't want to get too far ahead because the end of the message is really, we're leading up to the end of the message, as we do always. But, um... You know, they, in their defense, in the children of Israel's defense, okay, freedom was new to them. Because as slaves, most of them were born in slavery. It was 400 years since they had been free. They had been born in slavery. If you're born in slavery, you don't know how to act when you're free. Now think about it. When you got born again, you didn't know how to act because you were free-free. Not only were you in a free country, but now you're free-free. So you had to be shown how to act. The children of Israel, they didn't know what free will was. They, they couldn't. They had to make a choice. They, they didn't know how to make a choice. We were up in Massachusetts, and we were having lunch one day at the church with um, somebody who had been released from prison. And we were going to order out. And he was just staring at the menu for the longest time and couldn't decide what soda to pick. 
Because, of course, in prison, you don't have choices. So for him, making a simple choice as what to drink was extremely difficult for him because he hadn't had choices in so long. So the children of Israel, when they came out, it was a new concept for them to make a choice. And their free will was a new thing for them. But though, but because they followed what they saw rather than obedience to God. See, I want to read you some scriptures. The Lord commands us to obey his voice and he says it all go well with us. And the key is obey the voice of the Lord. It says in Exodus 19.5, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Jeremiah 7.23, But this thing commanded I them and said, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk ye in the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well unto you. Okay, God wants us to obey his voice. And parents, we were parents. We've all, at one point, maybe you've got grandkids now running around. And what do you tell them? Obey. Obey me. Hopefully you're not like this this woman who wants to unschool her child. No, you're going to try to discipline that child because you know when they're older and they try to get a job or they try to go to school or try to do something, they need to have discipline. Disciplining somebody is love. And this is why God says, look at in 1 Samuel 15:22. But Samuel declared, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, obedience is better than sacrifice, and attentiveness is better than the fat of rams. Psalm 46, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Open my ears, Lord, to hear you. Psalm 81, 13, if only my people would listen to me, if Israel would follow my ways. If only. Now, a perfect God took them out of captivity. God doesn't have a long, God does have a list. And we'll see at the end how he chronicles everything. Or no, actually, we'll see it now. Wow, cool. Okay. This is Numbers 14, 20 through 22. Because there's so many just... So many cool scriptures. And you start to see that the word of God is is a living word. It just it's got so many amazing things into it. And this is Numbers fourteen twenty through 22. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and all my miracles, which I did in Egypt, and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, ten times after they got out of Egypt, they tempted the Lord. And I'm going to go through them very quickly. Ten times they murmured and complained. And God has a list. Look, he said, they've tempted me now ten times. Here's the list. And have not what? Hearkened to my voice. It gets under God's skin when we don't obey his voice. We sometimes we look at something and we start to complain because it isn't the way that we thought it might be. And God's saying, you know, if you just hold on five minutes, I'll show you. Or if you just hold on a day, I'll show you. It was like with the computer. Okay, it was dead. Honest to God, Jeremy, it was dead. There wasn't nothing we could do to revive that computer. But we laid our hands on it anyways, because I said we might as well just lay our hands on it and pray. And then Jeremy brought it back to life. Who'd figure? And then we ordered a computer in the meantime, not even thinking, not that we would doubt your ability I mean, it was a miracle to us. It's God's ability. But God used you. God used you. 
And in the meantime, we ordered a computer. Well, our ways were not God's way. Why pray if you're not going to believe it, right? You know, we were just hoping for recovery. We weren't hoping for a total restoration. (laughs) So we got more than what we had wanted. But if we had just waited, we went down the day of, we went down to Best Buy. And we're looking at computers, and we finally had settled on one. It was because I know we had to upgrade. If you're anything into computers, you know that Windows 7, you should upgrade from it to Windows 10 if you're still operating on Windows 7. So we were down there, and we had a dead computer. And so we, we almost settled on one, which was $600. And then it was going to cost us another 100 And I thought, well, why don't we just call Jeremy and see? If he can maybe help us. I hate to ask people because I know that he's busy. He's got a full-time job and a family. And, you know, but so anyways, we did call him. But we were going to get the computer. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. He goes, we're out of stock. So that's when we walked out and said, why don't we just call Jeremy and see if there's something that he can do with it. And then we went home and bought a computer, which is coming tomorrow. But it'll be good because the church needs to upgrade too, right? <laughs> so <laughs> we're upgrading here. And it wasn't that. It didn't turn out to be $600 either, which was the other good thing. But you can't go by sight. You've got to go by what God says. And had we probably listened a little bit, maybe we would have just saved the money. But as it turns out, the church needs one anyway. So there we go. Hallelujah. All right, so ten times they tried the Lord. Ten times. And that's not counting when they were in Egypt and they were whining every time there was a plague. And every time there was a plague, God protected them. But they still were complaining because the taskmasters were making their work harder. And they said, no, you know, we might as well just stay here. So let's go to... The first time they tried the Lord was at the Red Sea in Exodus 14. And they said to Moses, 14, 11, and 12, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Now you're talking to Moses, have you taken us to die in the wilderness? Where, wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell you in Egypt? Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than it would for us to die in the wilderness. I mean, what a slap in the face. Think about the ten plagues and nothing hurt the Israelites. And now they're turning around. I'm sure for Moses, it was kind of shocking Well, maybe not, because he had to listen to them when they were in Egypt, too. So maybe it wasn't as shocking. But they said when it got tough, it was like, shouldn't we go back to Egypt? Now, I had one minister say, you know, well, you're not going to have any problems until you get, you know, until you get saved. And then the devil's on your case. That's not true at all. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that the devil has come to steal, kill and destroy whether you're saved or whether you're not saved. Amen. All right. Number two, Exodus fifteen twenty three to 26, when they were at Marah, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what should we drink? When he cried to the Lord, the Lord showed him a tree, which he cast into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. Okay, so. This wasn't too far off. If you read, here we were in Exodus 14, Exodus 15. Between that, they were like, yeah, the horse and the rider went into the sea. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Moses. Look, look what God did. He parted the Red Sea. Oh, man, we're thirsty. Now, what are we? Did you take us out here? So now we're going to be thirsty. What, what, what can we drink? It wasn't too long ago that they were with the tambourines and, and, you know, everything. And he cried to the Lord. And there he made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And he said, 
If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in thy sight and will give ear to his commandments. There we are again. We'll give ear to his commandments if we'll listen to his voice and keep all of his statutes. I will put none of the diseases upon thee which I brought upon the Egyptians for I am the Lord that healed thee. And we quote that verse all the time. And that's where it's from. Number three, the wilderness of sin, Exodus 16, 1 through 4. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month after their deposit, departing out of the land of Egypt. So what are they? The 15th day of the second month. They're two months into this. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we would have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. So now they're accusing God of trying to murder them. You just saw a miracle. He just made the bitter water sweet. He just parted the Red Sea. And now you're complaining again. You know, this time you're going to, you know, they're accusing God of starving them. Number four. Failing to obey God, and they did not collect manna on the seventh day. He said, collect it, and on sixth day, collect two portions, because on the seventh day, it's not going to fall. And then, they kept the manna overnight, and it wormed. He said, don't get rid of it, it's just for a day. Number six, at Rephidim, in Exodus 7, again, the people murmured and complained about not having water and wanting to go back to Egypt. Number seven, Horeb, where they built the golden calf and threw a wild party while Moses left them to talk to God. It's like, hey, Moses, hey, Aaron, we have an idea. You know, Moses isn't coming back. I mean, we look back at this and we think, man, oh, man, these people were ungrateful and unthankful and but, you know, let's look at our own hearts. How many times have we done it and we've got a better covenant? We've complained to God because just something just seems to be taking too long. You know, why, God? This shouldn't be, but why? Number eight, Tabera. The name Tabera means place of the burning. Numbers 11, 1 through 5. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called that name Taborah, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers, the melons, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. But now our soul is dried up. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Unbelief forgets the slavery. Unbelief always forgets what it should not forget. And remembers that which it should not remember. Have you ever had anybody tell you what a great life they had before they got saved? You know, and they glorify, they glorify their sin or they glorify this or that before they got saved. You know, what a great life they had. And, you know, you should forget that. Forget it. It's, it's not worth it. And, and then sometimes the devil, our memories are so selective. Have you ever gone through something like as a husband, a wife, and your husband's telling the story and you're saying, um, honey, no, that's not the way that happened. Uh, you know, no, it wasn't quite like that. Well, see, because two perspectives, sometimes we see things differently or we remember different facts. That's why we've got the four Gospels 
they tell the same stories, but they've got different tacks and different perspectives. Our memories are very selective. Sometimes our memory paints pictures because we remember good things and we forget the bad things. They were remembering how good it was in Egypt. They talked like they were princes back then or they were some kind of something. They were slaves. They were in bondage. They felt the whip of the taskmaster. And yet they were telling Moses how great it was back there because they had a great restaurant back there. We shouldn't rem- we've got to remember that God knows what's best for us. And you can't look back at a different time or a different place and go, wow, those were, that was the best thing. You know, I was younger back then. We all have to face the fact we're all getting older. The bodies aren't working as good. Things are happening. And sometimes it's, it's easy to look back and want to be back there again. Well, we can't be back there again. Where we are now is where we are. And back there, sometimes we have wisdom now that we didn't have back then. So I guess maybe what we give up with our physical bodies, we gain with our spiritual sense. Hopefully that makes sense. You know, it would be nice if we could have both of them. But I don't know if, you know, I don't know how that works. But, you know, they magnified, they, you know, they, they said it cost them nothing. That when they were, were in Egypt, well, we ate this food and it cost them nothing. No, it didn't cost them nothing. It cost them everything. They were slaves. It's like socialism. You know, they said, well, it's not going to cost you anything. Not until you get your first paycheck and it's got 50% is taken out on taxes. And you're saying, hey, you know, I, I, I was making $20 an hour, but, you know, I'm only getting like 10 And then when I go to the gas pump, I'm still paying taxes, and I'm paying taxes in the store. And what's going on? I thought everything was free. So you can't forget the burdens and the bondage of what you're looking back and saying, that was so wonderful, the good old days. Um, Number nine, Kibroth. It appeared that God occasionally sent them quail because at one place... In Exodus 16:13 it says and it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. So I think occasionally he sent them quails. But then in Numbers 11:18-20 and say thou unto the people sanctify yourself against the morrow. And this is after they were just whining because they had no meat to eat. And you, this is the Lord talking, and you shall eat flesh, for you have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and you shall eat. You shall eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month until it comes out your nostrils. And I thought, oh, God, he must have been furious at that point. And it will be loathsome unto you, because you have despised the Lord which is among you, and you have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? Number 10, the last one. In Kadesh, spying out the land. In Numbers 13 and 14, God told Moses to send spies into the land. They were on the edge of the promised land, just on the edge. And then it cost them 40 years. Because of their unbelief, because they doubted the Lord. Doesn't that sound like sometimes in your life when it looked too hard and it's like, but there's a shortcut over here. Why can't we just, what do you mean I got to do this? So sometimes we have to wander. And then 38 years later, they can almost see the promised land. They can almost, there it was just right across there. And all they had to do was get through this little strip of Edom. And the government of Edom said, "Uh uh-uh. And it might be well worth noting that it often falls on our lot to circle the land of Eden. Sometimes we have to go along the long way. It's bad enough to have to fight desert tribes, but it's harder to travel the longer route, which with a bit of kindness from our brother would have made it needless. 
Have you ever had somebody that promised you something? And when it was time, it didn't happen. It was like when we came to Montgomery on a promise and we got here and it didn't happen. We had come a long way and it just fell through. And it was like, man, oh, man, that makes it a little bit harder here. So sometimes with a little kindness, but sometimes they got their eyes on Edom and not on the Lord. See, sometimes we get our eyes. And then this in chapters 21, 3 through 4. I'm just trying to go through this quickly because there's another point to this that I wanted to make. From Mount Hor they set out, and this is Numbers 21, 3 through 4. From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. So they were kind of like being babies. After all that God showed them. After all that. But look what it says. And this is where I wanted to get to in Numbers 33, 1 through 4. This is the... This is why we had to listen to all of that. Numbers 33, 1 through 4. These are the stages of the people of Israel. When they went out of the land of Egypt by their companies under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Moses wrote down their starting places stage by stage by command of the Lord. And these are their stages according to their starting places. They set out from Ramses in the first month on the 15th day of the first month. On the day after the Passover, the people of Israel went out triumphantly in the sight of all the Egyptians, while the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn, whom the Lord had struck down among them. That picture just struck me. I'm going to read that part again. On the day after the Passover, the people of Israel went out triumphantly, in the sight of all the Egyptians, while the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn, whom the Lord had struck down among them. On their gods also the Lord executed judgments. So the picture, as they were leaving Egypt, the the Egyptians were burying their firstborn. And the plagues, why, why were there plagues? Well, because on their gods, the Lord also executed judgment. Every plague represented a a god from the Egyptians. Sometimes what you're going through is not for your benefit, but it's for your observer's benefit. And it's to show the observer of your life that your God is strong, that your God is real. Now, how can they go through that? How can that happen? Well, that's because my God is real. So sometimes we're going through hard things and you say, why God? And we start murmuring and complaining. He's saying, look at the Egyptians. It says in, um, in I think it's in Pink's commentary, the love that led Israel through the great and terrible wilderness for 40 years so that they lacked nothing, commanded Moses to minutely record their wanderings. This command and this record revealed the tenderest of love and prove that the divine shepherd accompanied them every step of the way from Egypt to Canaan. In all their afflictions, he was afflicted. He cherished them as a nurse her children. He suffered not their garments to wax old, nor their feet to swell. Your feet aren't going to swell in the journey. Your clothes aren't going to get old. Your belly's going to be full. And you're not going to thirst. So there's no reason if you've been complaining about something, you better repent tonight because God's got a list. (laughs) He's got a list of things. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He's always going to be with us. He's not abandoned us. He's going to take you through. And if it seems like the hard way, then you can just rest assured it's for somebody else's benefit. You know, he's not a child abuser. 
the way the Israelites accused him of child abuse, that he was going to let them starve or hurt them. or God's not like that. God loves you. God was with them every step of the way. That song, I'm going through, they should have been singing that song every step of the way just to get them, just to get your, get your mind off of the circumstance, get your mind on the promises of what God has for you. Get your mind renewed. Stop complaining about the journey. It's, it, it's got to be hard to listen to us complain sometimes when God has given us everything. And there isn't anything that God wouldn't do for any one of us. You know, why is the journey hard? I don't know. I'm not God. You know, I don't know why, you know, I don't know why things happen or anything like that. I'm not here to say I know everything. But I do know that the love that led Israel through the great and terrible wilderness is the love that God has for each one of us. And then it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 11, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under a cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us. Okay, so he made sure that we had examples, that we might not desire evil as they did. Don't be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did in 20,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. It's for our instruction, so we're not going to be unschooled. We're not going to be just wild, just doing our own thing and eating at four in the morning if we want and staying up till midnight and doing things that we shouldn't be doing. God's trying to show us. And we can't forget those lessons. No matter what we are going through, God is with you tonight. It says in 1 John 3, 1 through 2, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it does not know him. And this is part of the reason why we go through things, is because the world does not know him. So we go through things. Look at what Christ went through for us on the crucifixion. I mean, don't you remember when you first got saved, the first time you heard about it and you really heard it? Because I, I think we've all, we've all heard it maybe several times before we heard it, really heard about the story of Jesus and the picture of it. Well, the things that we go through are pictures for somebody else that they can see that we're not handling it. We're not grumbling and complaining. We're not doing what the world is doing. We're not out drowning our sorrows in alcohol or doing things or, you know, we're not doing that. Well, how do you get through that if you're not doing that? Well, we're showing the love of God. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Hebrews thirteen five and 6 says, Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? So what have we learned about our trip in the desert? Number one, don't complain about the trip. <laughs> we had to go to Houston for two Mondays in a row. And um, I wanted to complain about the second trip. 
because I just had enough about car rides. So, number one, don't complain about the trip. It doesn't make the trip go any faster. Number two, learn to be content where you're at. Okay, even if you're in a situation that you don't like or understand, trust God and his timing. You know, if you don't like where you're at, just wait a little bit. It'll pass. Three, don't look back at your life and accuse God of making things harder for you. If I weren't a Christian, none of this would be happening. That's false. Now, look at people in the world. They don't have the hope that we have. And we're still, it says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. It's not like you become a Christian. You're all of a sudden exempt from everything. That's not how it works. But, you know, to I, I can't. We're fighting the devil. So many people fight the devil too many times. He's already defeated. Stop fighting him and start looking to Jesus. You know, yeah, the devil's there. But he's still defeated. You know, a lot of things that we do contribute to what we, we problems we have. A lot of things that we have no control over. So just look to the Lord. Okay, don't commit idolatry by thinking that your way out is the only way. Sometimes we box ourselves in. Have you ever talked to somebody who's been looking for a new job and you just kind of suggest that maybe if they went back to school and got a different got some more skill set, you know, or have you have you tried this and they oh no, I can't do that. Oh no, I can't do that. And then they just keep griping about their job. Sometimes to get something different, you have to do something different. You know, if you don't like your job, then you have to get skills to do a different job. I mean, that's just the way it is. Or go to a different company, do what you got to do. But if you're counseling somebody and they just say, oh, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. Or you say, well, have you tried that? No, I haven't tried that. Well, do you think you maybe ought to? No, I'm not going to do that. Sometimes we box our way in and we look at one solution and that's our solution to the problem. And so God has got like five other solutions to that same problem. And he will gently lead you into a way. But if we just are so headstrong, sometimes we just get this one solution that if this is the way that it's got to be solved. And then what happens when it doesn't get solved that way is we go griping and complaining. So sometimes we just box ourselves in by this is the way it's got to be. Amen. How many can testify to that? I mean, we're all adults in here. We've all done that where we've just said this is this is the way it's got to be because we can't see any other way that it can be done. And yet God's saying, I've got a solution right here. I'm going to part the Red Sea. And your back is up against a Red Sea and you're saying, well, I don't see how, how am I going to get out of this? The only way I can get out of it is I've got to go back into Egypt because that's the only way I can see. And God's saying, turn around, I'm going to make a path right there for you. But we get so stubborn and just we dig our heels in and go, no, it's got to be this way. It's got to be this way. And there's God. He's got the solution right there. So don't. Commit idolatry by thinking you've got the only, that there's only one solution to your problem. And that's the way you think it should be solved. Now, who would think? Who would think we'd be up in Aubrey, Texas? And we didn't even know where Aubrey was. He kind of knew where Denton was. You know, who would know? Who would think? But what if we get, you know, what if we decided not to do that? We would have missed God by saying, nope, God doesn't do it that way. Nope, we're not going to do it that way. Okay, number five, don't tempt God by your words. When you're in the pressure situation, zip it. And that's got to be hard to do. Amen. Because that's the first thing that I want to do if I'm in a pressure situation. I'm going to lash out. 
and I'm going to tell you who I'm going to lash out at sitting right there. (laughs) So don't tempt God by your words. Number six, seek the Lord and obey his voice. We read the scriptures, and that was only just some of the scriptures on obey my voice. But he says it throughout the Bible, obey my voice. God's desire for us is to obey his voice. You know, yes, God gave us a brain, but when God speaks, we need to obey his voice. He's not going to just leave us. Amen. And this is the last scripture, Proverbs 3, 3 through 7. It says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them around your neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. So shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Your own understanding is going to bite you sometimes. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. So trust in the Lord. Trust God in whatever you're dealing with tonight. Just trust the Lord. Stop trying to figure it out. Sometimes we just get to the point where we feel that because we're adults and we got to figure it out all the time. We're all adults. But God is the answer. We're God's children, even though we're adults. And you have the right to go to the throne room and to cast your burdens on him and say, God, I can't see the way out. I can't see where you've made the opening in the Red Sea for me. And I don't want to grumble and complain about this. So we have to just leave it at God's feet. And then we have to seek the Lord. We have to hear his voice. Don't move on something until you get that peace in your heart. And then just don't, you know, sometimes we get so used to the way things are, you know, or the way things used to be. And we always want to go back to the way things used to be where it was pleasant. Sometimes we, in our, like I said earlier, in our minds, we kind of like blot out the unpleasant stuff that happened in the past. And we go, wow, you know, if we could only do that again, but every time that you live every age that you are has its own has its own unpleasantries so it's not like the good old days were all that good amen it's not i mean we all we all say we want to go back to the good old days right and that was back before technology and sometimes i would like to go back before technology but back then back in the good old days there were still challenges that we had to go through And there were still things that we had to go through and still mountains that we had to climb. Every single time that you look back, you can you can see if you were really honest. So we're going to we have to trust God with wherever we're at. We have to believe that God's going to get us through no matter what. And we're going to pray a prayer of repentance if you've been complaining about something. Because I know lately, listen, I... I need this just as much because I've been on the edge sometimes of just complaining. I just want to complain about this one thing, just this one thing I just want to complain about. And then I'm like, no, not worth it. Move on. Amen. Just move on. You know, and I'll tell you what the one thing is, is when I bend down, I can't get back up. (laughs) And I want to complain about it. And say, God, I used to do that. I used to be able to get back up. It's that one little thing, and I really want to complain. I want to complain because I got a bad report on my eyes, and I want to complain about it. And it's like, yes, I guess that's that two little things I want to just complain about. It's like, God, I've been believing and believing and believing, and I got a bad report when I went down to Houston on my eyes. And it's like, I want to complain about it. And it's like, no, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Do you know that there's several ways that God can fix an eye? 
There's several things he can do. Amen. You know, I'm looking at it as just one way. But there's several things. There's several ways that me bending down and can get back up. If I would just go back and do some more swimming and do some things about it, I could probably do that again. Rather than complain. Amen. But I just wanted to tell you guys what it was just so... You know, you wouldn't think it was something like really awful. <laughs> to me, it's pretty awful, okay? Because that was, I didn't ever think those things would happen to me. But, um, you know, stop your complaining, stop your griping, do something about it if you can. And if you can't, then you just put it in God's hands and allow Him to work through you. Amen? Just remember, your challenges sometimes aren't for you. They're for your observers. Just like the Egyptians, they observed. Don't you think? Because, I mean, the rabble came out. The mixed multitude, they came out with the Israelites because they saw a good thing. Don't you think the Egyptians saw when it was pitch black in Egypt? And they looked over at the Israelites and they had light. I mean, don't you think they saw these things? Your trials aren't for you. Your trials are for somebody else. And we can trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Whatever we're going through tonight, God's going to take care of you. Amen. What do you say, Pastor? You want to get on the piano? I just love my husband. I just want you to know that, too. (laughs) Go ahead. Well, did y'all enjoy that? Give her a good hand. (laughs) You know, I was sitting there thinking of this old, old song. It said, uh, Roll back the curtains. A memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from. And where I could have been. And it says, remind me, dear Lord. (laughs) Amen. Sometimes we need to be reminded. It's not so bad after all, is it? (laughs) Could be worse. But you know what? I'm finding out it's just going to get better and better and better and better. Amen. Because God is a good God. Amen. I know the Lord will make a way for me. I know the Lord will make a way for me. If I live a holy life, Shun the wrong and do the right. I know the Lord will make a way. Now I want you to just shut your eyes and focus on that problem or that situation, that circumstance or something that the devil's been bringing your way. You know what I found? It's only temporal. It's only temporary. Circumstances are subject to change. And God will change it for our good. Amen. And I want us just to focus on that and let's just say, Lord, I know the Lord will make a way for me. Do you believe that? I know the Lord will make a way for me. If I live a holy life, shun the wrong and do the right, I know the Lord will make a way. Have you been going through a hard time and maybe when you were smaller and your, and your dad comes up and just puts his arms around you and says, it's going to be okay, we're going to make it. I know the Lord 
has laid his hand on me. Just let God touch you tonight. I know the Lord has laid his hand on me. If I live a holy life, shun the wrong and do the right, I know the Lord has laid His hand on me. Let's stand our feet tonight. You know, one thing that I've learned in my years of serving God is nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Nothing is impossible. All things are possible to him that believes. Victory's ours. Turn to that person next to you and say, you don't look so bad after all. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. And and if you sometimes you gotta look in the mirror at home and say, Self, it's not as bad as it looks. And you look better today than you did yesterday, self. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Brother Kruger, could you dismiss us tonight in prayer? Oh, and when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown. Oh, we shall wear a crown. Well, we shall wear a crown. And when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown. Wear a bright and shining crown.